In the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. I'm happy to be back uh, with all of you. I'm sorry I missed you last week. Um, it was a very educational trip for me to Egypt. Uh, it was not what I had expected and not what I had experienced in the past. And uh, unfortunately, I don't think it's going to be a while before I go back. Um, but hopefully I can get over the experience. It was good in one aspect and bad in the other, um, but I'm happy to be back and I'm sorry that I, I missed you last week. Today is uh, the second Sunday of the month of Tulit and we've begun this Coptic year. Last week um, was the Gospel regarding St. John the Baptist because his uh, feast day is at the beginning of the year. Um, but at the very, very beginning of the year, the first of Tut, the, the first reading that we read on that blessed day, we take from the Gospel of St. Luke, chapter 4. And if you know that Gospel, it is when the Lord enters into the temple after he had been baptized and after he had gone into the desert for 40 days and then he had been tempted by Satan and he comes back now and he begins his ministry by first going into the temple opening up the scroll of Isaiah and he says the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor he has sent me to heal the brokenhearted to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind to set at liberty those who are oppressed to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord this beginning gospel reading of the Coptic year demonstrates what the ministry of Christ was from the very beginning. His ministry, all of those words, and that was taken from the book of Isaiah, chapter, I believe, 60. And, and in this, he's describing what the Spirit of the Lord is calling him to do. The Spirit of the Lord has called him to preach the gospel to the poor to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, and to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. And so as we begin this year with this understanding, we also have to understand that this is the ministry of the church as well. That the church continues the ministry of Jesus Christ. The church is the one who is being sent out to preach liberty to those who are captive, to heal the brokenhearted, to preach the gospel to the poor, to give recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. And so as we begin on this journey, understanding that this is the direction in which we are going, let us meditate on these words that our Savior gave to this lawyer. Now, a lawyer, I have to defend lawyers. The lawyer here is not like the lawyer that we have. Now, I'm not saying all lawyers are good. Um, but I'm saying that this lawyer is one who is specialized in the law of the, of, of the synagogue, in the law of the, the temple, the law of the Old Testament. So it was a lawyer in that regard, not in the regard of my former profession. But he comes and he says, And behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tested him, and saying, Teacher... What shall I do to inherit eternal life? And he said to him, 
What is written in the law? What is your reading of it? So he answered and said, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, You have rightly answered, Do this and you will live. And so these words, I want to point out three things. The first point is the title that is given to Jesus, Jesus as teacher, Jesus as educator. In the Hebrew, it would have been Jesus as rabbi. The second point is about Christianity as a movement. Christianity is a movement. And the third point is that we need to have adult education renewed in the church. But let's take the first point first. We find our Savior in today's Gospel being asked, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And this is a wonderful, wonderful question. We have to, each and every one of us, individually ask Christ, what should I do to inherit eternal life? There's no set formula. I know that sounds crazy. There's no set formula. Every one of us is different. Everyone is in a different place in life. Every one of us is coming to Christ from a, a, a different experience. And so the answer to each and every one of us is the same as this, but also going to be specifically applied to our life. What shall I do to inherit eternal life? Yeah, It's impossible that God would have me leave my wife and my three kids and go to the monastery, for example. It's impossible. Even though you would think that's a way of salvation for some people. Or for someone who is a, a, a monk or a bishop for many years to leave the monastery to go get married. Everyone in their place, everyone in their place has to ask God, what must I do to inherit eternal life? If we ask our Savior this question, we will receive an answer. If not, we will remain in the darkness and the ignorance of our lives. So our Savior draws our attention. And He first says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. This comes from the lawyer. And love your neighbor as yourself. What Christ has done is taken from the Old Testament two key verses from Leviticus and Deuteronomy uh, that were found in the Old These verses are found in the Old Testament. He takes them and He says, This is the crystallization or the distillation of, uh, of, our, uh, of the, the whole of the law. And I want to point out something. What everyone is always asking, what did Christ do for the 30 years before he started his ministry? What did Christ do before he was, um, before he was uh, starting his ministry? Uh, by the way, this is why we need four groups of people to welcome individuals into the church just to help them sit down to help them get it uh, move to a place I only have about maybe one or two groups please if you're willing to, to volunteer to just stand in the back welcome people encourage them to come to the front help them uh, find a place it will be an assistance to me an assistance to everybody in the church it's a wonderful service and it's one of those services you don't have to go through Sunday school servants prep to do all you have to do is know how to smile know how to say welcome, and know how to uh, uh, guide us into the church. I think even maybe Hannah could do this one day. All right. So going back to the point, Christ in those first 30 years was studying and learning 
what it was, what, what it meant to be a good Jew. He, if you realize, in his, uh, when he was tempted by Satan, all he said was verses from Deuteronomy. And as if he memorized the book of Deuteronomy, which is an important book, and he knew it, he studied it. He had studied the law, and he had studied to be able to, to speak and to be able to be called a rabbi. Our Savior is teaching from the Old Testament or from the Torah. It's not been erased. It's not unimportant. It's not been replaced. The Torah or the law in the, in the First Testament given to the Israelites was a guide and was a teacher. Was a guide and was a teacher to the Jews as well as to us. To the Jews as well as to us. St. Clement of Alexandria. There's, there's about two at least that I would point out to you. There's St. Clement of Rome. St. Clement of Alexandria. St. Clement of Alexandria, uh, one who was one of the first deans of the school of Alexandria uh, from the year he was alive in the end of the second century, beginning of the third century. He says in this wonderful quote, he says, the education that God gives us is the imparting or the giving of the truth that will guide us correctly to contemplate God guide us correctly to contemplate God and is a description of holy deeds that endure forever so that is what God gives us in his education in the Old Testament as well as in the New is how we can meditate and contemplate God which is a very important uh, aspect of our Christianity and I spoke about this on the Feast of the Transfiguration, that we ought to meditate on God, look to God, have that vision of God, understand that we are to behold God, meditate on Him, fill our eyes, our hearts, our minds with, with Him. And this is the contemplation that we do, that we do or that we, we offer of God, or we practice of God. And the second is to do holy deeds. To do holy deeds. To do good works. He continues and he says, Truly the educator of mankind, God, the educator of mankind, um, the divine word, the Logos, Christ has devoted himself with all of his strength to save us, his little ones, by all the means at the disposal of his wisdom. How does he save us? And how does he teach us? He teaches us by warning sometimes he teaches us by blaming sometimes he teaches us by rebuking sometimes he teaches us by correcting sometimes by threatening sometimes by healing sometimes by promising sometimes by bestowing favors in a word saint clement continues says in a word binding as if with many bits like combining binding everything in many ways uh, the unreasonable impulses of the human nature and so Christ comes as a teacher and I want to tell you that this was one of the first titles given to Christ and we're going to talk about this in a little bit the titles of Christ he's called Lord, Son of God, Son of Man King, uh, Holy One these are all titles, Emmanuel these are all titles given to Christ but one of the first ones was of teacher and of rabbi. And this is an important point that we'll get to in a second. The second point 
is that Christianity was known from the very beginning as the way. The way. The path or, or the, 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 the road to travel. It wasn't a state. It wasn't a, a, a state of being. Like, I am an American citizen, or I am an Egyptian citizen, or I am whatever. It's not a title that's given to us that we are just Christians. But we were followers of the way. That means it was a movement. That means it was something that uh, people did. And to be called a Christian at first, we had in, in the Acts of the Apostles today that they were first called Christians in Antioch. That wasn't a praise. That wasn't a good title. That was an insult. To be called a Christian. You're one of those. You're one of those people that follow Christ. You're a Christian. But we took it as uh, uh, not an insult, but as something that we held it an honor to be one of those who followed Christ. And so the life of Christianity, or to be a Christian, was always a life of progress, not of stagnation. Running water, not still water. And we are people of God who, in all that we do, listen carefully, as Christians we think differently, we act differently, we work differently, we study differently, we play differently, and ultimately, ultimately we die differently. Differently from people who refuse to believe in God. When we do all those things differently, we stand apart and we stand out in this world. But when we don't do things differently, we look like everybody else. And when we look like everybody else, we look like we're not people on the way. I've said this many times, and I'll continue to say it. Christianity is counter-cultural. Counter-cultural. What we do outside in society, or what society would have you do, whether it is in your politics, whether it is in your economics, whether it is in the way that you uh, approach another human being that you see in the street, there's so much that society teaches and tells you to do that is different from what Christianity would tell you to do. But when we decide to choose Christianity and to walk in that way that is different, we shine with the light of Christ. The light of Christ that said, Christ said, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. People see us as true Christians, if we act as true Christians. And by the way, true Christians doesn't mean perfect. True Christian means the one who repents, the one who is changing, the one who makes a mistake and is able to say, I'm sorry. The one who does something wrong and is able to say, forgive me, I was wrong. This is also just as powerful a sign of what it means to be Christian. So when people see us and they begin to judge they are forced to make a decision, either to be like us or to be like a Christian or to reject it. And this is part of the movement of, of Christianity. We can come together as a social group, as a Rotary Club, as a Kiwanis Club, as any of these organizations come together. We can talk together, we can have fellowship together, we can um, uh, enjoy food together, but that doesn't make us a church community. A church community is different. 
It's not just a club coming together that looks like all the other clubs. But we are assembling together to encourage one another in this path, in this way. And by the way, I, I want to encourage you to come earlier to church. Because when you come early, it encourages other people. Everybody has excuses, and I, I know we're all struggling, we're all trying. But just for yourselves, keep it in your mind to do your best to encourage others to come to come uh, to encourage yourself to come early and on time this is all the small stuff that psychologically encourages and helps us think about it think about it you know you come into dinner and you're waiting for guests guests to arrive one person arrives five minutes late the other person five minutes later but when do we start when do we begin at one point in time you just have to start and if somebody comes towards the end of course they're welcome of course we're not saying you're not welcome or we have a problem with you coming late but it would have been better if we were all here from the very beginning to enjoy from the very beginning also to encourage one another now as we understand Christianity or we look at Christianity as a movement it's a movement of joy. It's not just a movement that I'm trying to fight against my sins, avoid these things, keep the law. Uh, I, it's today, Wednesday, stay Friday, I got to fast. It's not a movement in that regard. It's a movement of joy of those who have been saved and of those who are enjoying the salvation which Christ has given. If we are on the way and if we have accepted Christianity as a movement, I have to ask, how am I progressing? How am I moving forward? What was, you know, for example, my, my progress from last week to this week? How did I enter into the church today? Am I going to leave in the same way that I entered? Or am I going to try and change? Or try to fix, try to do something a little bit better? It doesn't have to be radical. It doesn't have to be uh, something that is earth-shattering. Just something small. And these small, these small changes add up to major changes. But you have to agree with me that Christianity is a movement. You have to agree with me that it's countercultural, And you have to agree with me that either you're in the direction that the, the movement is going or you're in some other place. That this is, we're all going in one way. We're all going in one direction. Nobody can be going against. Um, uh, this reminds me kind of like driving in Egypt. Uh, no, it, we have to stay in our lanes and go and encourage others to go so that we... We, um, we all reach that point together. So point one, is Christ as our teacher is educating us through the law and through his words and through his action, educating us to contemplate God and to do good deeds. Second, we are on this way, which is Christianity, which is the path, which is uh, counter-cultural, which is movement, and we all have to be heading in the, the same direction. The third point, and it's probably... Uh, a point that's near and dear to my heart is that what we need in the church is a revival of adult education. How many of you are adults? Right? And if you're an adult, count the hours that you spend educating yourself in your faith, in your Christianity. Now maybe some of you are working one job, two jobs, have kids, um, and there are other things that are um, attacking you or taking your time away. We all have 
we all have many things taking our time away. But if you remember, or if you read this morning's gospel, not the one that we just read, but from the morning raising of incense, it's a beautiful story where Christ goes off a long time before anyone wakes up to a place by himself, and he says, and there he prays. This is Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world. And Simon comes to him, uh, and those who were with him, and they were looking for him. They were searching for him. And when they found him, they said, everyone is looking for you. Everyone is looking. And indeed, everyone was looking. Everyone is still looking for Christ. Everyone is looking for you. But he doesn't just turn around and go and serve those people who are looking. He knows his mission. He knows his direction. And he says, let us go to the next towns that I may preach there also because for this purpose I have come forth. He's going to preach to those that don't even know they're looking for him. The ones that are looking, we're all searching, but we don't know what we're searching for until we find Christ. We know this is the one we've been searching for. He is the one that we're looking for. So they go. he goes because he needs to continue on that mission. Now coming back to us, yes, we are uh, being eaten to death by piranhas in our lives. You know how piranhas feed? It's hundreds of them, just little bites, little bites until the whole thing is consumed. And, and sometimes we might feel in our lives that just little things are just accumulating and consuming my life. So I have no time for myself. I have no time you know, to exercise. I have no time to read. I have no time to contemplate. All of those you might feel. All of those you might feel is the situation of your lives. But you have to, for the sake of your own personal salvation, for the sake of the salvation of those around you, you have to carve out time. If your life is too busy, you have to prioritize. Don't just go after what is urgent, but what is important. If I'm reading my Bible, which is important, and my phone rings, which is urgent, too often we reach for the phone to answer it. And we've taken the urgent, and we've replaced the important with the urgent. And we have to understand what is important. It's simple. When I get in the car and I'm driving someplace, I need to have gas in the, in the tank of the car. No matter how important the trip is, there has to be gas in that tank. And if the, 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 the trip is, is, is going to take longer or further than what I have reserves for, I have to take time. I have to stop and put gas in that tank. And each of you in your own lives, there are different things, right? There are those of you that are younger, those of you that are older and retired. Each of you has to understand, we are like trees, or we are like captains of ships. When the storm comes, and the ship that is being driven by a captain who has no idea what to do in a storm, the storm is not the time for the captain to pull out manuals and say, I think I'm in trouble, I've got to figure out what to do here. Right? Or, or the tree, when the hurricane comes, is not the time for it to grow roots. The tree should have been growing roots for many years. So this is only something you can start now. Christ came and I said one of the first teacher was one of the first titles he had was rabbi, teacher. A teacher must have what? Students. The students were called disciples. If we are to call Christ our teacher, we have to be his disciples. 
And by the way, then the disciples were sent out and were, <coughs> were called and said, go into the world and make disciples of all nations. So we are now the disciples who are being taught by Christ. And in the, ch- the, 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 the church, the parish, not just the Coptic Orthodox Church, but in this church, St. John Chrysostom Parish, we have to understand that teaching and learning is essential. When we offer services, when we offer services like Bible studies, or Vespers, or liturgy, or when we offer um, online you know, um, resources for you to use, take advantage of all of those. There's, 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 there's plenty of stuff for us to listen to. The Bible on audio. It doesn't have to just be sitting and reading while we're doing our work. But we have to be committed to this idea that I have to educate myself in my faith. It's not enough what I learned in Sunday school and Sunday school is not going to carry me for the rest of, the, of, of my life. I have to open up my Bible. I have to read my Egbeya. I have to pick up a spiritual book. And this is for everyone. This is for everyone. The state of our church now, which is not, not too good, you remember, uh, we just had a monk murder a bishop, right? That's, that's not a good situation in the church. And that's not just one isolated incident. This is a, a symptom of the entire church. We are all collectively one body, right? Even the monk is part of that body or was part of that body. And if he repents, he'll become again of that body. But, you know, if your pinky has gangrene, that's not a good indication of how healthy the entire body is. And this is because of the state of education. We, just, we are just not trying to learn the depth of our faith so that we can be in a deeper relationship with Christ and do these works that are being asked of us. St. Timothy, and, or, or St. Paul in his second epistle, second letter to Timothy, He says, in the end times, men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents. Right? We feel like that's so common. Of course kids are going to be disobedient to their parents. Ungrateful, unholy, inhuman, implacable, slanderers, profligates fierce, haters of good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. And then he goes on further. He says, they have the form of religion, but deny the power of it. Meaning they go to church, they do all the things that a religious person does, but they deny the power of it. And then he says later, always learning but never coming to the knowledge of the truth so not only are we supposed to educate ourselves but we're supposed to work towards coming to the knowledge of the truth (coughs) which means it shows in our lives so as we as we begin this Coptic year I want each and every one of us to take Christ who is our teacher And to take this Christianity, which is a movement, and to apply it now 
with, uh, or to, to use it to encourage ourselves to be good students, good disciples. We cannot, for our sake and for our children's sake, just kind of wing it when it comes to our religious life. Just kind of wing it. There is no test. There is no evaluation except the final judgment. right? But when you think about it, statistics say your kids, maybe the kids between 12 and 17, they'll spend an average of 103 hours of TV a month. 103 hours of TV. So it's about, what, about 30 hours a day, or three hours a day, which might not be ridiculous in some households. Three hours between maybe 15, 20 minutes here and there. And then uh, between 100 hours, let's say 90 hours, let's say 80 hours. 80 hours of TV, and I'm not even including internet. And then you have maximum four hours of Sunday school a week. Maximum. Nobody goes to Sunday school for an hour. Not even the Sunday school teachers, right? Nobody does this. So you're talking this versus that. Where, where are they learning their ethics from? Where are they learning things from? The four hours is not going to compare to the, to the 80, 90 hours uh, of Sunday school. And then you add to it, hopefully they come for the full liturgy, three hours a week. Doesn't, it doesn't add up. So we need to make this a priority of education in the homes and in the church. Take advantage of the time in the church for the sake of your salvation, for the sake of the salvation of those around you. May God open up our minds and our hearts and give us a new start, a new beginning in this year so that we can learn to draw closer to Him, to contemplate Him and learn to do acts of mercy, acts of love, acts of uh, patience, acts of peace to those who are around us to do good deeds to those in our homes and those who are outside so that those who see our good deeds can glorify God, our Father. And may we all do what we do to the glory of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit now and ever in the age of all ages. Amen. Amen.